Now, we are in a series right now called Church Family, and we're just talking about some things specifically related to One Life Church uh, and, you know, just addressing some things to do with our church specifically. This will probably be the last Sunday that we uh, were on this. Last Sunday, Pastor Brandon continued talking about unity in the church, which is so important, so critical. And uh, this week, we're going to talk about serving the local church and using your gift in the local church and really finding your place in the body of Christ. Because I believe from Scripture, and we're going to read it this morning, I believe that every person has something that they are supposed to be contributing to their local body. Uh, Every person that comes to a church has something in them that they are supposed to be contributing to the body of Christ. Now, it doesn't mean, don't, don't hear that and go, oh, well, well, you know, let me get to work. Well, what you need to know is that uh, some people are not qualified to serve in certain areas because they, they haven't even repented of their sin. You know, they, they've not established a prayer life. They've not done anything with the gifts that God's given. So it's not that every person is going to be immediately plugged in because people come in in different places. But what I, what I want you to understand is, though, that is the end goal is that you would get some things right in your life and you would become submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ so that you can then use the gift that God has given you and find your place in the body of Christ and serve the local church. One of the biggest questions that, uh, that I f- have found is on church people's mind. And I found this out early on as a youth pastor, is even with young people. One of the biggest questions that's on church people's mind is, what is my purpose in life? Because the moment you find out who God is and, and, you know, what the Bible is, from the moment you find that out, you begin to realize everything has a purpose in order. And that question comes into your mind, well, then what was I put here for? And if I'm going to serve God, right, if he's going to be my master and I'm going to serve God, how do I do that, and, and what's my place, and what's my purpose? Where do I fulfill that part in God's bigger plan and bigger purpose? And, and I don't care how long you've been serving God, this, this bubbles up from time to time, doesn't it? Where you go, am I really fulfilling why God put me here on this planet? And it doesn't matter how much you're doing for God, that question will come up from time to time. You know, how do I do what God has really called me to do? And, and is just me raising my family and serving a little bit at the church and working here, is that really why God put me here? And am I fulfilling that bigger purpose that God has for me? I think the church, in a way, has sort of made a mistake in this area because especially the way we used to preach to young people, and, I, and we kind of still do in this way, the way we used to preach to young people is almost in a way like um, you're going to change the world, right? If you, if you sell out for God, you give your life to God, you're going to change the world. How many know that the reality is you're likely not going to change the world? You, individually, by yourself. And that's just never how God set it up. You, the individual, is not going to change the world. We, together, collectively, are going to change the world. And what that looks like is we all have a little piece and a little part to play. It's a small part. But as everybody does their part, we are extremely powerful and extremely effective. The, the number of people that just, you know, their life, like Billy Graham or some great person that just goes and changes the world, that's pretty rare. 
That's pretty rare, right? That's, that's not the norm. So when you ask, what's my purpose in life? It's probably not going to be this big, gigantic thing where everybody knows your name and you write books and you become famous. And that, that's not probably going to be it. But you're going to contribute to the overall purpose and plan of God. Amen? Amen. So what is my purpose in life? Uh, so what I have found is that there are three ways that people begin to find their significance in the kingdom of God. Said another way, there are three areas where people can contribute to God's bigger overall plan. These are just things that I've observed and things that I see in Scripture. When I see somebody that gives their life to God and starts really getting on track and, and beginning to spread their sphere of influence, beginning to become effective for the kingdom of God, these are the three areas that I see at work in their life. And number one is usually their family. And, and I think this is God's first priority as far as what your purpose is for your life. It doesn't apply to everybody. Some people aren't married. Some people never get married. Some people never have a, have a family. But you still have family members that God's going to use you in that arena. So the, the first and foremost area that I see people can begin to find their purpose when they come to Christ is influencing directly their family. Look, we're all tied. I know in my family alone, you know, probably 20 people uh, are represented, maybe even just in this church, if you include their kids. And every one of us, that's the, that's the case, is there, there's a web of people that we're tied to. And if we were just faithful, if, if we were just faithful to serve God, and if you said, well, that's my purpose in life, is to have a solid marriage that represents Christ, as the Bible tells, tells us, and to disciple my children to become follow, faithful followers of Jesus Christ. If every person on the planet did that, the whole world would be saved, right? If all you ever did was just disciple your kids and everybody did that, the whole world would be saved. And everybody would be... So that's first and foremost. And I've also found that God's not going to use you uh, very effectively beyond that until that is right. I mean, I've just seen this too many times. I've seen it over and over again. And actually, it's, it's, and actually, it's one of the qualifications in Scripture that, that, that Paul brings up. He says, before somebody's chosen as a deacon or an elder, the very first place you need to look is their family because how can they lead the church of God if they can't lead their family first? So it's a, it's, this is the first place that God's going to begin to use you when you're trying to find your purpose in life is in the arena of your family. And, I, and I've told so many people, I'm like, look, if the only thing you did in this life was raise godly children, and, and then they raise godly children, and then they raise, if that was the only thing you did in this life, that would have been a very effective and good life. So that's the first arena. The second place I see people begin to find significance in the kingdom of God is in their career. Now, that could be if your career is ministry in some way, sure, but for most people that's not the case. Uh, their career just being your normal, regular, everyday job. God will begin to use you in that arena. Why? Because there are people that need the light of the gospel where you work. And that's where you go every single day. And the Bible tells us that we're the salt of the earth, we're the light of this world, and God doesn't need everybody in this room. He doesn't need everybody in his body to be in full-time ministry. Matter of fact, uh, that just creates like a big bubble. That's not what he wants. 
But, there, but what he wants is people that have experienced the power and love of God and have had a transformational relationship with Jesus Christ that are getting up every day, spending time with him, getting full of his spirit, and then going into this world to be salt and light and spread the love and the power of the gospel everywhere they go. So when somebody truly submits their life to Jesus Christ, he begins to use them in their family. Right? This is just generic for everybody. He begins to use them in their family, and secondly, he begins to use them in their career. When I say use them in their career, it doesn't just mean that you are witnessing to people or getting people saved at, at, your, uh, at your job. It doesn't just mean that. It means that you're contributing in some way to the overall plan and purpose of God. I mean, you may work in a factory. You may work construction. But, and believe it or not, God cares about those things. God cares about cities being built, communities being built. In the medical field, I can't think of any, if you're in the medical field, my gosh, I can't, I almost can't think of anything closer to the heart of God than, than medical work where you're taking care of sick people, you know, or, or, or social work, or that you could just go on and on. You, you know, if you work at Walmart, you're helping feed people, getting them groceries. So you can see how in your career, we might look at it, oh, this is just what I do, this is simple, this is nothing. No, you are, if you have the right perspective, the Bible says do everything as unto the Lord. And so you can, you can begin to find purpose in what you do by serving the community. But, but also, if you're a business owner or, or you're successful in what you do and you bring in finances, well, then you can use those finances to impact the kingdom as well. So people begin to find significance first in their family, first in their career, second in their career, and I would say third in their local church. And the only reason I put local church third is just really by nature of proximity and time, you spend every day at your job where you don't spend every day, you know, at, at the church, serving in the church. But these are the three ways that people can really begin to find purpose. I find that people who come to Christ and they really give their life to the Lord, this begins to be an area where they really start to find significance and purpose in the kingdom of God. They find where they fit, what is their niche, what is their unique gifting fit in the body of Christ, and they begin to use that in a powerful way. You know, we just had an amazing worship service, and it's a perfect example of a group of people that have found their, their place. This is how they serve the body of Christ. It's a very public way of serving the body of Christ. It's no more significant than someone who's serving in the nursery or children's church or youth this morning or coffee bar. It's, it's no more significant than that. It's just they have a piece. Those people have a piece. Everybody has a piece to bring, and you begin to serve the body of Christ through those different ways. So that's it. If you want to know what's my purpose in life, I would start here. Family, career, local church. And I'm just going to tell you, until you get those three things right, if God has more for you than that, until you get those three things right, you're probably not going to hear much else. Because this is the general will of God for everybody, and you're not really going to find the specific will of God for your life until you're operating in what His general will is for just every Christian. This is also what I've found. When people begin to ask the question, what is the purpose for my life, what they really want, what they would really prefer, what we would really prefer, is like an angelic visitation, right? Or a dream or a vision or God just to show up and go, like he did with Mary, you know, I've called you to be the mother of the Son of God, you know. And, and it's just this amazing thing, wow, 
It's so clear. I know what my purpose is. An angel literally showed up and, and showed me. But that's not how most people find their purpose. How most people find their purpose, and please, please hear me on this, how most people find the purpose for their life is by being faithful in these three areas. Walking out faithfully God's will in these areas. And before you know it, you begin to find yourself almost stumbling into the will of God, stumbling into His purpose for your life. Because when you're faithful in these areas, He begins to open up more and more and more and more for you. So I see people that come into the church and they start by doing nothing. You know, what somebody would say is nothing, very, very small, very, very, and then as they're faithful, God moves them up, moves them up, moves them up, and they just keep growing and finding more and more significance in the body of Christ. That's just how the kingdom works. Go read the Bible. David started as a shepherd. He ended up as king. There was a lot in between. A lot of just little steps, faithful, and then he, yeah, he was a shepherd. He ended up as king. That's how people find their purpose for their life. It's by being faithful in, in these areas. And we're going to talk specifically this morning mostly about serving in the local church specifically. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4, we're going to start there. It says, now there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. So what Paul is emphasizing here is that there's a lot of different gifts in the body of Christ. And he's going to list them in just a minute. There's gifts of hospitality. There's, there's gifts to minister. There's, there's gifts to sing. There's, there's gifts to work with kids. There's gifts to work with youth. There's technological, you know, hands-on gifts. There's all kinds of gifts. And he says there's a variety of gifts. He said, but it's the same spirit that is empowering all of those gifts. And he says there are varieties of service or a variety of ways to serve in the, in the church. A variety of ways to serve the body of Christ. He said, but it's the same Lord that's, that's fueling that. And there are a variety of activities, but it is the same God who empowers all of them. In other, so he goes through a bunch of different things. There are different gifts in the body of Christ, there are different services, there's different activities. In other words, there's different things we're going to do. Right? Some, sometimes we're going to be doing life group kickoff parties. Sometimes we're going to be doing outreaches. Sometimes we're going to be doing discipleship. Sometimes we're going to be doing life groups. There's a lot of different activities. He said, but it's all empowered by the Holy Spirit, by the power of God. Verse 7, to each. Everybody say to each. Now, how many of you think God left somebody out? Is there anybody in here? Is there a single person in here? That God somehow overlooked you. And, and somehow there, there's nothing for you in his overall body. God didn't overlook every, anyone. It says to each. You could say to everyone. To each and every one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Your gift is not for you. The, the, the more... Uh, visible your gift is, like preaching or, or singing or leading in some big capacity, the more you got to know this. Your gift is not for you. Your gift is not about you. You know how many times I've had to tell people that through the years? Your gift is not about you and it's not for you. Um, some, you know, this is, I hate picking on, I always pick on the worship team when we have these, uh, these are, they can take it, trust me. But 
through the years, it's almost laughable, but we've had people go, you know, and, and this is how the devil works. You know, somebody's up on stage and they've got a mic, but they're not leading a lot of songs. And somebody in the church don't, don't realize they're being used by the enemy to stir up strife. Go up to them, hey, I notice you're on the stage a lot, but you don't ever sing that much. What's going on? That sounds just like the devil. But anyway, I notice you're on the stage, but you don't sing that much. What's, what's going on? They'll never let you sing. And, and when you did, it was just so pretty, and I just loved it. And, and now that person starts thinking, you know, yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. But we've had to tell people, hey, let me tell you something. Your gift is not about you. It's not for you. And I had to tell, I remember having a conversation with one person. I said, forget the fact, because I was a little bit irritated, okay? I was a little, I'm just going, I got in the flesh a minute, but I said, forget the fact that people were saved this morning. Forget the fact that people were baptized this morning. Forget the, the fact that people encountered the love of God this morning. But what you're worried about is that you didn't get to sing. That's a problem. Why? Because your gift's not for you. Your gift's not about you. My gift is not about me. What's it for? The common good. And the, the mentality should be, whatever I can do to contribute to the common good, to, to the, the, the mission and vision of the kingdom first, of the church second, God's, God's local church, whatever I can do to contribute, that's what I'm going to do. Look, I've, I know I'm up here preaching, but let me tell you, I've worked in churches from the time, almost since I was a kid. Even as a child, I was helping out with puppets in the kids' ministry. I've done every single thing there is to do in the church, including cleaning the toilets and everything else. I've done it all. And my mentality has always been, however I can serve, that's what I want to do. However I can serve, however I can help, however I can advance the mission of Jesus, of Jesus Christ. And so we've got to have that understanding. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit, but it's for the common Good, And he goes on and talks about some of those spiritual gifts that we're maybe used to hearing. He talks about the gift of wisdom. He talks about the gift of, of knowledge. He talks about the gift of tongues. He talks about the working of miracles. He talks about uh, gifts of healing and things like that. But let's not over-spiritualize it too much because we hear these things and we think, well, that's, you know, that's all super spiritual. Listen. Uh, I think that a lot of people may operate in the gift of wisdom and don't even realize it. They're just having a conversation with somebody and, and someone seeks their advice and, they, and immediately they've got a bit of wisdom for them that they needed. Listen, that's a gift of wisdom. It's as simple as that. You know, our knowledge, special knowledge, knowing something. The Bible talks about special faith. If ever you've been praying and you just, you just had this faith to believe God for this certain situation, that could be the gift of, the, of faith working in your life. Let's not over-spiritualize it to a point where it's only like, well, oh, you know, only the most spiritual, only the giants of faith walking this. No, that's not actually what he's saying here, is he? He's saying to every person, there are gifts that are given. Gifts of encouragement, gifts of service, gifts of leading, gifts to speak, gifts to sing, gifts to play instrument, gifts to be with kids, on and on and on. And it's all for what? The building up of the body of Christ. And guess what? Nobody got left out. Every single person has something to contribute to the body of Christ. I had one person one time, uh, we, we had a close relationship, so I think they were mostly joking, but uh, <laughs> I wasn't sure. <laughs> but I, we were talking about these things, and they were like, 
you know, they were getting older and, and uh, they didn't really do a lot. They, they were, from their perspective, they said, well, I didn't really do a lot in the church. And they go, well, they heard me preach a sermon like this. And they said, well, I guess we just need to leave because we don't do nothing in the church. And you're saying if we don't do nothing, we're not valuable. And I said, that's not true. I said, first of all, you tithe and give faithfully. I said, that's something. I said, that right there, that right there is, a, is contributing to the body of Christ. I'm not going to sit up here and tell you what you have to do, not do, but I'll say this. Everybody has something they should be doing. Everybody has something they should be contributing to the body of Christ. It doesn't even necessarily mean that you're serving on a team in an official capacity. There are people that show up on Sunday morning and they're not on a team. They're out in the foyer and they're greeting people as they come in. They're drinking coffee with people. They're fellowshipping with people. Guess what? That's providing a valuable service to the body of Christ. Because you're going to have conversations. You're going to encourage people. You're, it doesn't even mean that you have to be serving on a, on a team in an official capacity. But you do have to contribute and use the gifts that God's given you for the body of Christ. Verse 11. He says, all of these gifts are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills. So important. This tells me that God is highly involved in this process. Listen, if you can't sing, it's because God decided. God decided. You are going to sound like a dying crow. Okay? Okay, he apportions it. But no, you might not can do that. And he's going he's to talk about this in a minute. He's going to talk about the tendency to look at those high visibility gifts and go, man, well, why can't I be like that? How come I don't have something significant like that? He's going to address that. And he's going to say, that is the wrong mentality. That is the wrong mentality. Look, I often think, what if it's like this? What if all the people that have the most beautiful voice they have it here, but when they get to heaven, it's reversed. What if when we get to heaven, they sound like crow? And all of us who couldn't sing, all of a sudden God puts us as the worship leaders. Glory to God. No, I'm just kidding. Hey, I don't know how he says the first to be last. Anyway, we're not. But I'm just saying, God decided that. And he says it's the wrong mentality to look and go, well, it's not one of those high visibility. You know, I don't preach. I don't sing. I don't lead a life group. I'm not in one of those positions. He's going to talk about it and he's going to say, don't, that's the wrong mentality. Don't ever think like that. Because why? Really, you're questioning the judgment of God. Because he says it's God who chose. It's God who apportioned those gifts as he wills. And I'm going to tell you this. Some of the most valuable people to the body of Christ are those that nobody really knows who they are. Nobody knows the faithfulness that they do and the hard work that they put in. I can tell you there's, a, there's, a, there's dozens, dozens of people in this church, I feel bad for it, dozens of people that are very underappreciated, underthanked, overlooked, and, and I wish we could, we could thank them and appreciate them properly. But you know what? They're really not doing it for that. They're doing it for the Lord, and they have found their gift and what that is, and they operate that, and they, and they walk in that. So it says, he apportions to each one individually as he wills. Verse 12. Now, this can get a little confusing, verse 12, because he talks about 
the body of Christ and he talks about the physical body and he's comparing the two. So when he's talking about the physical body, I'm going to actually say physical body. So for just as the physical body is one and has many members and all the members of the physical body, though many are one, so it is with Christ or so it is with the body of Christ. For the physical body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, well, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, well, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. What's he talking about? He's talking about certain body parts, looking at other body parts and go, well, they really have the significant job. They really have the important job. And if I can't be that, then you know what? I just don't want to be anything. And he said, that's, that's the wrong mentality. There's not a single part of the body that doesn't have function and purpose. Now, if you're in the medical, you might be thinking about the appendix. You know, but I'm just going to say that poor little old appendix, I think it gets a bad rap because I've often thought, I'm not removing anything that God put there unless I absolutely have to. Okay, it's staying as long as it can. But anyway, no, everything has a purpose. Everything has a purpose. Everything has a function. And boy, do you really find that out when you injure that insignificant part of your body. You ever stubbed your little pinky toe on your foot? But you find out how valuable it is real quick. You ever pulled a muscle in your, like in, somewhere here in the back that you didn't even know and you go to cough and it hurts you all night? Yeah, every muscle, every fiber, every joint, every has a purpose and a function. And what he's trying to stamp out here is those, those parts of the body of Christ that that's where they fit and they go, well, it's not that significant, it's not that, that, that special. He goes, that, you know, you're misunderstanding how God designed the whole system. God designed the whole system where there wouldn't be just one part of the body that's super important. That actually every part serves an extremely valuable purpose. And he said it's, it's, it's wrong mentality to begin going down that track of, yeah, but my part's not that important. People, it happens all the time in the church. People call on Sunday morning, oh, I can't make it, I can't be there. Oh, I know I was scheduled to work here, can't do it. And I know the mentality, the mentality is, well, because it's, you know, it's not like I'm on the stage or something like that. It's not like I'm doing something that important. They'll just replace me, they'll move on. Listen, uh, it matters. It matters, it, it matters. We all have a part to play. So first thing he says, let's just kind of look at this passage. Really what he's saying is the body of Christ is very similar to our physical bodies because every part has a function and a role. Now here's the big question. What happens when one part of the body stops functioning or performing its role? Okay, let's talk, let's talk about physical bodies. What happens... If all of a sudden if you've ever had this happen, maybe you get an injury or you break a bone, you break a hand, you break a wrist, an arm, what happens when that part of the body stops functioning? It completely changes your life, doesn't it? You went down from having two hands, now down to one. I'm practically an expert in this because my son has broken four bones. He's only 16. He's not fin He'll be 16. Yeah, so I never broke a bone my whole life. I tell you, I joke, I don't understand. I, I was just as active as you. I never broke any bones. I guess you're clumsy. I'll pray for you. But anyway, he's broken four bones. He always reminds me that a couple of them were my fault. But anyway, that's, I don't dwell on that too long. But. So what happens when you lose a hand? Well, it changes your life significantly. Now, 
Can the body continue to operate with one arm, one leg, one eye? Sure, it can continue to operate, but not at its peak performance. Not at its peak performance. And this is why the body of Christ, one of the reasons why the body of Christ is not as effective as it could be. Because we don't have the entire body, everybody making their, their part and making their contribution and functioning in their role. Every church I've ever been a part of, and look, I want this to be a very encouraging sermon, so I'm not beating anybody over the head, okay? I, I'm, it may come across that way just a little bit, but every church I've ever been a part of, this is an issue where you have a portion of the people, I don't know what portion that is, some people say 20% carrying, you know, 80% of the load, I don't know. But every church I've been a part of, you have a small group of people that are carrying the majority of the load that needs to get done. And that could be for a variety of reasons. It could be because this isn't communicated well. It could be because, you know, we haven't helped people understand how significant and valuable they are. It could be for a variety of reasons. But here's what I want you to understand. We will get by. Every church figures out a way to get by. Just like if you break a leg, you figure out a way to get by. You know, as you get older, something gets injured and you're like, well, I guess that's just broke forever now. I mean, <laughs> just staying that way. I'll just deal with that one for the rest of my life. Well, you figure out a way to get by, but you're not at peak performance. And the body of Christ is supposed to be operating at peak performance, and we do that when every part of the body is doing their, their job. Also, can we make it with one arm, one leg, one eye? Yes, we can. But guess what else happens? Talking in the physical body when you do that. Usually what happens is you begin to injure and damage other parts of the body. You know, if you have a, a leg that, is, that something's wrong with it, and now you're putting too much pressure and this leg is having to compensate before long, your knee starts hurting and your ankle, and then it works its way up its back. In other words, it begins to cause damage to the other parts of the body. Same thing happens in the body of Christ. People get burnt out. They feel used. They feel underappreciated. Uh, there are people that they were so used at, at a church, they left, and they said, I'm never looking back. And they, and they went to another church, and they said, I will never serve in that area again because it, it's like a black hole. They suck you in and just they'll just drain you like a, like a grape. You know, they just juice you for everything you're worth. Why does that happen? Well, like most things, you probably experienced this at your job. When you find somebody that's faithful and will show up and work and do what they say they're going to do, they're extremely valuable and you end up pulling on them a lot. But you're pulling on them to compensate because someone else in the body that has a gift or a call is not actually using it. So you end, up, you end up compensating. And this is why I say, will we get by? Yeah, we'll get by, but not at peak performance. And then what will happen along the way is there'll be, there'll be people that are actually casualties because we were not in our place. And that's not, that's not what we want. Now, not only does it cause the whole body to suffer when we're not in our place, uh, but what happens to the body parts that aren't functioning? All right, let's, let's reread verse 15 and 16. I'm going to read it again. It says, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. In other words, because I'm not a hand, I'm just going to quit operating. Verse 16, if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. So what happens to the, the body parts, our physical body parts, what happens if they stop functioning? 
Anybody know? They, they atrophy and they dry up. And sometimes you can use, you can lose function of them completely just because they were no longer being used. There, there are people, I've, I've known people in my life that they sustained a very severe injury to their arm, for example. They didn't lose their arm, but they lost all function in that arm. And that arm was there for the rest of their life, but it was in a completely atrophied and unusable state. When we don't use our, our body parts, when we don't use our body, those parts of our body will atrophy and they will suffer injury as a result. And that's what happens in the body of, the, uh, body of Christ. Many people feel stagnant. They feel like they're not contributing. They feel like they don't have their purpose. They're feeling, they feel dry. They feel like they're not useful. Well, because you're not functioning in that role that God's assigned for you to, to function in. And here's the other part about those, those body parts. If you have a body part that's completely atrophied, like again, for, say for example, your arm, that body part, it's not serving any purpose, it's not serving any function, but it's still taking nutrients from the rest of the body. And it's still adding weight to the body. So, so com he's using this example of the body of Christ, so what he's really saying is those that are part of the body that are not contributing, it's going to lead to them stagnating and atrophying as a, as a Christian, but then also the rest of the body has to still carry them and, and serve them and minister to them and be there for them and pray for them. It's not like we could just not, we, we could, you know, well, you don't serve in a ministry, so you're just not part of the body. No, it doesn't work like that. So when somebody's not involved in the body of Christ and they're not contributing, well, they, they still, they still, uh, require ministry in those types of things, which is great, which is fine, especially for somebody that comes in who's young in the faith, immature in the faith, just, just getting saved. That's really where that part should be reserved for, is for those people that come into the body of Christ and they're, they're young in the faith, they're immature, they're just getting saved, and they have to learn all of this stuff. But the more we mature and the more we grow in the body of Christ, the more we should be contributing. I didn't get any amens on that. I guess I need to say that one again. The more we grow and the more we mature as adults and as Christians, the more we should be contributing. Amen? That's just in life too. When we're young and immature and we're kids in our parents' home, we take, take, take. But as we get older, we begin to give, give, give. We grow in our contribution and in our, in our uh, giving out as we mature and grow. You know, when I became a dad and I started seeing the way that I parented my children and the sacrifices that I made for them and the, the links that I would go to in order to make sure that my children were, were served and, and taken care of, you know, I began to think about God and I began to think, well, that he feels about his kids even more than I do as a father. He feels even stronger about his children and his church, the body of Christ. But he can't physically come down and take care of those needs. So what does he do? He uses us. He uses the, the body of Christ to serve and nourish the body. And so we, we are a sense, in a sense, we are standing in for God 
as we serve the body of Christ, we're doing in his stead and in his place. We're, that's why we're servants of Christ. God loves and cares about the body so much. And anything that you contribute, anything that you contribute on any level is an act of service for him. Now keep this in mind. How many have ever heard the statement, nothing is free? Nothing is free. And where that comes from is understanding that everything has a cost, no matter even if it appears free at first. So for example, if you go to, if a friend takes you out for lunch and your meal is free because they pay for it. Well, it was free to you, but it wasn't free to them. Or even if you go to a restaurant and an owner comes out and he says, hey man, it's on the house today. Meal's free. Was it free? No, it was free to you, but it wasn't free to the owner. It cost the owner something. So the only thing that happens, nothing is free. Everything just gets transferred to someone else. Nothing is free, but the, the cost of it just only gets transferred to someone, someone else. The same thing happens in the body of Christ. When somebody's not in their place, and you go, well, it's not a big deal if I do or if it don't. Well, guess what? Someone else in the body of Christ, it has to get done, so someone else is going to pick up that tab. So it's not, it's not that it's free or it's, it's not that it's just going to, uh, like, magically go away. No, someone, when we're not in our place, someone else has to pick it up. And I know as a mature adult, you know, I begin to, at a certain point, I begin to not want to allow that anymore in my life, allowing other people to carry my, my tab, my responsibility. You know, at a certain point, you get to a place where your parents say, hey, we'll get that for you. We'll help you with that. You get to a certain place where you go, no, I got this. I'm going to deal with this. I'm going to take care of this. I actually had someone tell me that in the church uh, a few months ago. They were dealing with a situation, and I said, hey, let us, let us help you with this. You know, we can give out. And they said, no, I got myself into this situation. I'm going to get myself out. And I was like, wow, that, that's impressive. But that's a sign of maturity because we, we understand these, these concepts that we're talking about. And so just keep that in mind as being part of the body. Nothing is, is free. Everything will cost somebody something. And if you don't, if we don't, as people, if we don't carry our weight, it doesn't mean it doesn't get carried. It just means someone else has to carry our weight. And that's why we have to make the decision that, hey, I'm going to do my part, whatever that is, whatever, however small and insignificant that is. And listen, don't do it because of pressure. Don't do it because you heard a sermon this morning. Do it because you're a servant of Christ. And follow him, you know, ask him these questions we were asking at the beginning. What is my purpose? What do you have me to do? I don't want you to, I don't want you to go sign up today because, to, to serve because you heard a great sermon or you felt, you know, uh, you felt condemned about it. You know, you, oh, well, I wasn't doing anything or, and I need to be. Look, just go pray about it. Go pray about it. Ask God what he has for you to do. And he'll show you because all I'm telling you is you have a place. God, God's given you something to do in his body and probably specifically in your local church as well. Verse 18. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, 
each one of them as he chose. So we, get, we continue to get this idea that God is the one who's arranged the body. He chose what each one would do. He's the one who placed you here. This is why I said this a few weeks ago. I do not believe that you are just free to go to whatever church you want to go to. I mean, that's not scriptural. The Bible tells us that he chooses where we are planted and where we go. Of course, it means you can change churches, but not without consulting God. Not without consulting him and getting his, his permission. 1 Peter 4.10, so that, that, everything we've been reading this morning was Paul, but Peter says this in 1 Peter 4.10, As each has received a gift... Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. So again, everyone has received a gift and we are to use it to serve others in the body of Christ. As I was preparing for this sermon, I asked all of our team leads that lead any kind of large ministry in the church, I asked them all the same question. I said, how many people do you currently have on your team and how many do you need to operate at an ideal situation? And for us, as a church, ideal is that everybody would serve once a month. Uh, that All of our teams strive for this, but of course we can't do it unless we have enough, enough people. But the goal would be that each, if, for example, if you serve in kids ministry, it would be one Sunday a month or maybe one Sunday and one Wednesday a month, but the other Sundays you would have, have off to just attend church or even to serve in other areas of, of ministry. So I asked all of our teams that same question, and I'm just going to go through it with you because I think it's good information for us to have. So for the youth department, they currently have 18 volunteers, and they need 40. Media said... We have four, and we need 10. Live stream said we have six, and we need 13. Kids ministry said we have 32, and we need 48. Worship team said we have seven, and we need 15. Weekend experience team said we have 28, and we need 48. So current... Uh, total number of current volunteers in the church is 95, which is a lot, but what we really need to operate in an ideal situation is 174. That's a difference of 79, uh, 79 people. So there's 79 of you. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. And, and keep in mind, this is ideal, right? Any, any, so we're getting, we're getting by, we're doing, we're doing great, we're serving the body, things are happening, we're moving forward, it's great with the, with the people that we have, but what we've always been concerned about is we don't want to burn people out. So can we get by with 95 like I was talking about earlier? Yeah, well, sure, and we'll keep going with that. But any number we add to that is going to improve it. If we could get up to, if we could go from 95 to 120, if we go from 95 to 140, it would be significant. If, if the live stream has six and they need 13, if they just went to eight, it, it would probably improve it greatly. And again, that's to be at an ideal perfect situation where, where people serve only once a month. But to be honest with you, there's a lot of people in the church that 
they, they want to serve more than once a month. They just, they don't want to do just once a month because they enjoy what they do so much and they've, they found their calling and their purpose there and they want to do it on a regular basis. We have some people that serve in multiple ministries and so some of this is sort of a cross-pollination because we have some people that on, they're here every single Sunday and they never miss practically so they'll serve two weeks in kids and on the two weeks they're not serving they'll serve on the weekend experience team because the weekend experience team uh, it doesn't require you to miss church you serve before and after and then you're, you're in church so on the two Sundays they're off they'll serve on the weekend experience team there's a lot of ways to do it but I wanted you to know this because I wanted you to understand where we're at and where we would like to be so we're, we're slightly over 50% where we would want to be. We're maybe close to 60% of where we would want to be. But I think we could move the needle a little bit in the next, in the next few weeks. And uh, I, I do think it's something that you should pray about. I think it's something that you should ask the Lord about. I think you should try to figure out where, where do I fit. And I mean this with all of my heart. Look, I, I said this earlier. You don't have to be on an official team to serve the body of Christ. Okay, that's not, this is not a ploy to just get as many people signed up as possible. But you do have a purpose, and you do have a place that you fit in the body of Christ that you can contribute. And, and all I want you to do is spend time with God saying, where do I fit? And how do I contribute? Don't think it has to be some home run out of the park. That's really not what we, what we need at all. We just need everybody doing a little bit, and it goes such a long way. Amen? So, the last thing I want to point out to you is, I kind of started with this, but saying that God doesn't need any superheroes. Okay? He doesn't need you know, somebody just doing these giant things. He just needs uh, a, a little bit from each person and it all comes together to make such a huge uh, contribution and when you are giving off a supply in other words when, when you're when you're giving out not just taking in you're gonna find yourself so much more fulfilled when you when you give out and look also don't just write off any area I would say don't write off any area of ministry uh, you know, don't go, oh, that kid, you know, kids, kids is not for me. You'd be surprised that there's a lot more <coughs> to do in kids' church than just babysit kids. And there's a variety of age groups. So you might not like one age group, uh, but you might like another, you know. And there's, there's just a lot that can be done in all of these departments. So just be open to whatever God shows you. And be open to connect in whatever, God, in whatever way God shows you. Amen? Praise God. Let's stand on our feet this morning.